Well, hello. This is Dr. Dane Goodnow, and today we will be mapping plasmalogens on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, recommendations, and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Dan Goodnow. Dr. Goodnow is an expert on the biochemical mechanisms of aging and disease. In 1999, he invented a technology platform that could simultaneously measure thousands of biochemicals in the blood. Tens of thousands of human samples have been analyzed from healthy and diseased persons of all ages. The biochemical data collected has enabled Dr. Goodnow to identify specific biochemical system failures that occur with aging and prior to the occurrence of disease. In addition to predicting disease and death before it happens, Dr. Goodnow designs bioidentical metabolic intermediates to correct prodromes, prevent disease, and increase longevity and vitality. This episode is biochem techie, so get your listening ears on, and you may want to listen more than once. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix, Dr. Goodnow. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. We are talking today about plasmologens, and I'll confess that I did a little research diving into some of your work in preparation for this conversation, but I wasn't previously familiar with these cells, and I'm wondering if you can ground us in what plasmologens are. It's a very interesting story, and it's one of these situations where you can't unknow it once you understand the plasmalogen mm. story. And it's strange because they were discovered about 100 years ago. We know for a fact they're obligate to human life because if you are born with genetic mutations that impair plasmalogen biosynthesis, it's a severe neurodevelopmental disorder that those children rarely live to age 10. Mm. So we know the importance of plasmalogens to life is absolute. And then the question becomes, what do these things do? How much are they? And, and that's where it gets more and more interesting because what they are is a membrane lipid. So they're a phospholipid and they hmm. exist in all the membranes of the body. And there are certain membranes that they are in higher concentrations than others, like the brain, especially the neurons in your, your myelin sheath that's, that protects the neuronal axons, but also in your heart and your lungs, your retina of your eye. And what's really interesting about these molecules is that we talk about reactive oxygen species, we talk about antioxidants, but most antioxidants that we think about, like a vitamin E or a CoQ10, for example, those are temporary antioxidants. They'll, they'll hold an electron for a certain period of time so that your body can clear it. Plasmalogens are really a different 
type of antioxidant in that they're sacrificed in the process of neutralizing a free radical or a mm -hmm. peroxide. They're very powerful at peroxides. There's really three core functions. So one thing is that we make them and we make them to be sacrificed in the body. And the very last step in the production creates this strange bond called a vinyl ether bond of a phospholipid. It's, on, it's the only place that you have it. And it's made in a special organelle called the peroxisome. And so you have lots of them. So 20% of the lipids in your brain are plasmalogens, like high concentrations in your heart and your lungs. And so you think, wow, nutritionally, well, then that should be in animal food products, right? And true it is, but that last step in their manufacture is designed to be so fragile is to be the fuse that blows before anything else gets damaged in your body. And so when you eat animal products, that fuse gets blown by the hydrochloric acid in your stomach. So it can't survive the stomach acids. So even though technically there are plasmalogens in our food supply, we don't actually get them from food. We have to pretty well make all of them ourselves. And we normally do make a fair bit of them and we consume a lot of them. So they have three real functions. One, like I said, they're in that membrane. They're also a main reservoir of your omega-3s, like your, your DHA plasmalogens. And so one, in the membranes, they act as modifiers in that they control the fluidity, for instance. So in the, in the brain and in your neuromuscular junctions of your, of your muscles, the release of neurotransmitters into that synapse requires plasmalogens in the membrane. So membrane fusion <laughs> is, is dependent upon plasmalogens. And it's that vinyl ether bond that allows two phospholipid layers to actually mix because they're really not supposed to. They're, they're, these, these polar head groups are supposed to oppose each other, but somehow or other they have to fuse. And we do a lot of them, right? You're doing, your brain neurons fire at 10 to 100 times per second. And so that's, that's how much explosion is going on every second of your life. And that's these membranes bursting and reforming, bursting and reforming. And that requires high levels of these plasmalogens. So that's one part. Then the other part is in the membranes, not just in the neurotransmitter re release part, but say in your, your macrophages of, for cardiovascular disease and your reverse, your cholesterol transport. So they modify certain proteins in your membrane. So the human body is fundamentally comprised of cells and those cells are defined by their membranes, kind of like the walls of your house are defined. Right. And the proteins of your body that we talk about are typically embedded in those walls, like your windows and your doors. When the structure or the composition of your membranes change, the function of those proteins change. So the amyloid deposition that we see in Alzheimer's disease is entirely driven by the plasmalogen composition of the membranes. If plasmalogens become deficient, the amyloid precursor protein gets processed by a different enzyme and we get the accumulation of the amyloid um, fragment. Likewise for reverse cholesterol transport, so HDL clearance, the plasmalogens control or highly control your cholesterol esterification and your ability to efflux, so your reverse cholesterol transport. And that's how plasmalogens can neutralize the genetic risk of Alzheimer's, say for APOE4 carriers, they have an impaired ability to clear cholesterol. Their HDL system for reverse cholesterol transport is impaired. And that 
specifically affects the brain. Plasmalogens can counteract that. And then the third one, which is probably what consumes most of it, is its antioxidant capability. Mm. And all of our cells die by the same mechanism. There's a thousand ways to get to that mechanism, but fundamentally, every cell of the body is returning sunlight energy to the universe. So plants take carbon dioxide and water and they make glucose and molecular oxygen. And we do the opposite. We take a hydrocarbon, just like your car engine, and we convert that hydrocarbon into carbon dioxide and water, which we breathe out. And that's a highly energetically demanding process. So your body is actually on fire and it does it through um, basically high energy electrons. And so people talk about NADH and FAD, the, the, the mitochondrial system. So that system is highly energetically charged and your body controls it quite dramatically. And when a cell starts getting weakened, whether it's mitochondrial failure or other things, mm -hmm. it, ha it builds up this electron charge on, on the inside and it's got to get rid of it and it spits it out through the uh, NAD oxide oxidase. And when it leaves the cell, that superoxide gets converted to peroxide with your catalases, but that gets a peroxide formation. And what peroxides do is they bind to your lipids on the outer, outer side of your membranes. When the outside of the membrane gets oxidized a little bit, that is the signal for your microglia and your immune response. That's what tells your immune system, hey, here's a cell that's near death and your, your immune system is attracted to that and it comes and it delivers the final death blow to clean up weakened cells. And so what plasmalogens do is they actually neutralize those peroxides and that prevents cell death. So, our neuro, so for neurogeneration, and that's they're probably their largest consumption. Hmm. And they can actually work in the mitochondria itself. So they have these three complementary roles. Yeah, I'm just going to review those. So we have the membrane function where they're sort of modifying the fluidity. They also yeah. are modifying proteins in the cell structure, and then they're serving as antioxidants. I know that's simplified, but do I have that correct? Yeah. And depending upon, and this is where the nutrition comes in, depending upon the type of fatty acid that's on the plasmalogen, you get dramatically different membranes. So mm. the, the olive oil version of plasmalogens that have the omega-9 on them, they're what make up the insulating sheath of your membrane, of your axons, both in the brain with the oligodendrocytes, but also in the periphery with your Schwann cells. And so that's, a, that's and creates a real tight uh, sheath kind of like basically exactly like the covering of, of a copper wire in your house. Right. So it's the exact opposite. So when it has the omega-9 on it, it becomes a, an impermeable protective barrier. Mm -hmm. But when it has omega-3 on it, when it has a DHA on it, it becomes this super fluid membrane enhancer. And it's one of those weird things. It's, it's, it's such a basic molecule. That's what's so weird about it. It's um, yeah, and we're not dealing with a trace level molecule. That's just like some you know microcosmic fourth transmitter of ten in the brain type of thing. Like we're dealing with twenty percent of the brain. Like it's a it's a it's a lot of stuff. And so that's the last yeah. that's the last thing. So when you're talking about nutritional modification or or enhancement of plasmalogens, 
your body makes a lot of it. So you have to be able to get a nutritional source that actually has significant levels, right? And that's why, you know, we're seeing optimal levels in the Alzheimer's trials are at like up to two grams a day. And you've done that with a specific supplement. Is that yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. And so, yeah, so that's the other thing. So it's not like you can't just take a, a couple of milligrams. Right. You know, obviously it's, every little bit helps, but, um, not is... for the therapeutic reversal versus prevention. Correct. Like you can't take a thimble of gas and put it in your gas tank. Right. So Dr. Goodnow, I'm a little confused because I heard you say earlier that we can't get the plasmalogens from food. And I've also heard you talk about how we sort of have a bank account of them, but we can replete them. We can't replete them. This is where I'm confused. Can you talk us into that a little bit? And, and maybe we can then move into what do we do to replete or really fortify our bank accounts with plasmalogens? Sure. That's a great question. So yeah. So when I first discovered this association of plasmalogens first with the Alzheimer's and neurodegeneration, and then their association with other diseases, you know, cancer, cardiovascular disease. Um, obviously the next step was to understand how do we restore these plasmalogen levels you know, in people who are deficient of them and why are people deficient in plasmalogens? And that led me to a bunch of synthetic organic chemistry experiments. So my background is in synthetic organic chemistry as well as in neurochemistry and psychiatric disorders. And so, that was, a, that was the next question, like how do we restore these? And as I mentioned earlier, the type of plasmalogen is really important. Like you have to restore the appropriate one. So the problem now becomes with your, your digestive tract. So the last step in plasmalogen manufacturing is this vinyl ether bond, which is unstable in the stomach. And the second part, when you buy when you eat a phospholipid from a food source, even if it's a regular phospholipid, like your phosphatidylcholines or, or serines, your pancreatic lipases cleave off the SN2 position, which is at the bioactive position. So the dietary sources that we get, we can't target the particular brain region or cellular region that we want, want to deal with. So there's two components of this. One is designing a precursor that is stable to get past the stomach acids and the gut. And that means designing a molecule that's one step up the human biochemical pathway and that's getting the ether bond instead of the vinyl ether bond so we can manufacture that and it's actually present in certain foods like shark liver oils and cod liver oils will have small parts of that in there they're naturally occurring ether ether lipids are naturally occurring molecules and the second part though which is really more important because we've known about these things since the like i said the 20s but the ether lipid precursors have been studied extensively since the 1960s and there were molecules called battle uh, alcohol and chymal alcohol and these were these ether lipids but they just had the ether bond they didn't have anything else on it but these things were really really ineffective at elevating plasmalgen levels and it didn't make a lot of sense because on paper they should be good precursors and, but you need really, really high doses of it. And so that's really my big contribution was understanding that we have to mm -hmm. put the fatty acid that we want on the molecule before you eat it. And if you want a molecule that targets the white matter, which is your, all, your myelin sheaths hmm. um, for stroke and autism and multiple sclerosis, you need to put that omega-9 on it before you ingest it. 
And then that will, what happens, so when you eat a triglyceride fish oil, for instance, okay, it's called a triacylglycerol. And it's like a regular fat, just like olive oil in your cupboard when you're having it on your salad. And when your stomach, your gastric lipases cleave off the fatty acids. And so you don't actually absorb that triglycerol. So the triglycerides in your blood aren't, they don't come from your food. Your body mm. makes those. And so, and so with the ether for targeting it, so the plasmalgen precursors that I've designed have that either the omega-9 or the omega-3 prepackaged. Right. And that does two things. One, when it gets absorbed, it goes directly into the phospholipid pool. So it's actually a really highly bioavailable source of an omega-3 for your phospholipid pool. But the bigger part is that you have two pools of plasmalogens. You have your circulating pool, which is your body, your cells can basically take it from the circulating supply, but all your cells make their own plasmalogens. And so what these precursors do is that they actually go twofold. They go into the cells of the body. So when you take an omega-9, like the prodrome glia, it goes right into the oligodendrocytes and your Schwann cells and allows them to build their myelin sheaths um, directly. They don't even need to get it from the blood supply. And same thing with the neurons. When you take the prodrome neuro, which is the DHA containing, it goes directly into the peripheral neurons and your, your central neurons. So those neurons and those synapses can actually make plasmalogens on demand locally. And as well, obviously your, your pools are going to grow. Um, and so you have reserve capacity in your blood supply. And that's why we see, you know, reductions in C-reactive protein and, you know, people get better sleep. There's a bunch of other things that have become. Yeah, I've had time in the studies to look at the benefits. Could you take us around the matrix quickly and just tell us about some of those benefits clearly in with Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's, but you said sleep. I mean, things like what about neurotransmitter function? And I'm sure it's an anti-inflammatory because of the, the oxidative stress reduction. Is, am I getting this right? That's exactly right. So that there's, let me just go around your, your chart here. So yeah, on the inflammation, okay. People we, we have a, uh, of a medicine and not to fault all medicine, but we have a backwards view of looking at things. Yes. And we try to like, so when you see an, in, they, they see inflammation, they say, let's suppress the immune system to, to lower the inflammation, but they're missing the point is why are those cells being activated? What's causing yes. those cells to be, what's causing the microglia to be inflamed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what causes that inflammation is the mitochondrial failure within the cells and then the peroxidation of the outer membranes. It, it drives your um, endothelial dysfunction. It, it drives the stroke, white matter loss in the brain after a stroke or even in MS. In autism, it drives the white matter lack of connectivity between the hemispheres. So autistic children will have the, the, the connectivity is, is impaired and then they'll have a, have a paradoxal increase in activity in the frontal temporal lobe sometimes. So you, you can have these imbalances. So in, in the inflammation perspective, what plasmalogens do is they reduce inflammation from the opposite direction. They reduce the trigger for the immune cells. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why we reduce inflammation quite dramatically. So that's on the inflammation side. So neurotransmitters, so in the, in the human brain, you know, we talk about just like a hundred different 
neurotransmitters. But the right. big, but the big ones, the two big ones are the the GABA system, which is your your negative feedback system, and there's your glutamate system, which is your active system. And I tell people we think that we force things to happen, but the body doesn't work that way. It, the body works like a preloaded spring, mm -hmm. and Okay, it's because it, otherwise you have no fine fine motor skills. So when you want to move your fingers, you're not actually moving your finger. You're releasing the movement that your finger already wants to go. So your your fingers already want to move, and you're holding them back from moving. And that's that negative feedback that allows us to get all the fine motor skills and fine thinking that we have. So the GABA system is the control. And that's also what we use for sleep, mm -hmm. right? So when people take the drugs like the benzodiazepines and the like, these are these these enhance that GABA function. So plasmalogens, obviously, when we look at aging and degeneration, cognitive impairment is one of the first physiological symptoms that we see. But that's just the canary in the coal mine. Um, plasmalogens are involved in the neurotransmitter release of all of your neurons, whether it's a dopaminergic neuron or whether it's a, a serotonergic neuron. So if people are having, like we're seeing reductions in anxiety, if that's something that's bothering people, or I see reductions in, you know, improved sleep formation. And so there's platrophic effects going on because we're improving overall neurological function and we're restoring the brain's balance because the brain will find its own balance and we all have our own equilibrium, if you will. So in terms of neurological function and, and neurotransmitter release, we're basically reducing the uh, artificial impairments is what we're doing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm thinking we'll definitely lead to in the show notes. I encourage everybody yeah. to go over there and get your paper and learn more about the testing you do and the solutions you've brought into play. If there were one more thing, Dr. Goodnow, that you just wish clinicians of all sorts knew about the importance of the plasmalogens? Is there one thing? Yeah. <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> It'd be sarcopenia. So your your peripheral muscle, the neuromuscular junction is a cholinergic neuron. It's the exact same physiological process, just a bigger neuron. And, and instead of the neuron interacting with another neuron, it's interacting with the muscle. Athletic performance, improved mobility, in the elderly, that's what we're seeing quite dramatically with it because we all get stuck with the shiny object syndrome, right? You see the first totally. the first shiny object in your head, but we forget that the comorbidity of sarcopenia with cognitive decline is extremely overlapping. So if you go to an Alzheimer's disease ward in a managed care facility, you'll see lots of those patients in wheelchairs. So there's a the mobility really correlates with um, cognitive impairment. And so we're seeing, so in the peripheral system, and I can say for my own personal self, you know, being kind of a weekend athlete, the plasmalogens definitely improve my athletic performance um, just and recovery. Like the muscle pain is gone. Visual, like I don't get eye strain ever anymore. Like I'm on a computer all day long and I used to come home with a fuzzy head. I just don't get eye strain anymore. And I don't need glasses now for anything. My short-term vision has all come back. I still need glasses to drive. But definitely visual stress was a, for me personally, that was probably the biggest thing that I 
I experienced. Well, I'm so excited to introduce people to your work and to this interesting research that seems to have so many, it makes sense in the ways you're explaining. It has so many benefits. Thank you so much for sharing your work and your research with us today. You're very, very welcome. And thank you so much for your interest as well. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Thank you.